Hello, this is On Mike with Jordan Rich, celebrating the art of conversation with creative people. Today, we explore better health with Dr. Lydia Knutson from the Lydian Chiropractic Center in Cambridge. This lady is a healer in every sense of the word. She received her doctorate of chiropractic degree, summa cum laude, from the University of Bridgeport College of Chiropractic. Dr. Knutson and her staff offer integrative family medicine, homeopathy, the axial stability method of healing, and a lot more. We'll be focusing a lot on the subject of biomechanics and how an understanding of the body and how it works can make us all feel a heck of a lot better. Dr. Knutson is exceedingly knowledgeable and very passionate about helping people. I'm happy to introduce Dr. Lydia Knutson of the Lydian Chiropractic Center in Cambridge to join me on mic. Well, I don't have any aches and pains, uh, but if I did, I might look you up. I've heard just marvelous things about what you do. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I I am uh, I think I'm uh, really an educator at heart. I think I uh, I missed my calling, but recently when I said that to a patient, they said, "No, no, no! I think you found your calling. You're educating me." So I. Uh, I love uh, talking to people about their health and about taking charge of their health and the things that they can do to live a healthier life. Um, and I really, I, I, I love my work. I absolutely love my work. What's not to love about making people feel better? Well, right off the bat, I feel better because in medicine today, in healthcare, what's missing is that connection, that conversation with healthcare practitioners and patients, mainly because it's so stressful and there's so little time. It's, it's nice yeah. to hear. Yeah. I actually, um, I had a nurse practitioner come in uh, maybe about a year ago. She uh, had a little pain in the left side of her chest and she thought, you know what, let me just go to the ER. I'm 67 years old. You know, maybe I'll just check it out. Maybe this is a heart attack. Who knows? So she went to the ER and they did probably 10. She said, there must've been $10,000 worth of tests. And at the end of it, nobody ever touched me. At the end of it, they said, hmm, this might be musculoskeletal. And she came in and she had a couple of ribs out of place. And in like three minutes, all the pain was gone. So I do have patients who come to me before they go to the ER. Not that one shouldn't go to the ER immediately if you think that's what you need. But I do have, you know, longtime patients who come to me and say, I have this weird problem Mm. and I don't know who to turn to. So I'm going to ask you first, because if you can't fix it, you'll probably know who I should go see. How do you define chiropractic? Because it's a big umbrella. How do you define it? Well, uh, chiropractic is a very old profession. It's more than 100 years old now. And the primary approach of the chiropractor is to look at how the structural system is affecting health, basically. How I like to define myself, which I think I think is more descriptive of what it is that I actually do. And I think I can speak for other chiropractors as well, but I, I, I think I can really certainly speak for, for myself and the people that I have trained, um, is that I think of myself as a biomechanic. Anybody, <laughs> so what's a biomechanic? We understand uh, like an auto mechanic, anything that has moving parts, we understand needs servicing and maintenance. Um, we would not think of owning a car without having an auto mechanic somewhere in our back pocket for when something goes wrong. And we have a body that has moving parts that thankfully 
mostly it's a self-healing mechanism, unlike a car, which does not self-heal. But um, our, our biology, that's the definition of biology, that it is a self-healing system, which is just a brilliant system. But sometimes it doesn't quite heal from whatever the injury that it was um, that, that we sustained. And I think what I'd like to kind of differentiate, maybe my, my number one message about being a biomechanic is the difference between anatomy and function. So I think of myself as a functionalist. I'll give you one example of um, a three and a half year old child who appeared in my office a couple of years ago. She had been born with a hip dysplasia, which uh, hip dysplasia is when the hip joint doesn't develop properly, usually due to a breech position um, in utero, which she had had a breech position. And um, so the hip joint didn't uh, develop properly. And it was discovered very early, uh, which these things are often reversible if they're discovered at birth, which she had the good fortune to end up at Boston Children's Hospital, had excellent care. Mm. And by the age of three and a half, um, they had declared her basically completely better. In other words, on x-ray, her hip looked pretty perfect, which is amazing. I mean, that's the miracle of modern medicine. Okay, so her mom shows up though, because she, having gone through all of this and been in a brace for years, her mom was concerned that there was something that the orthopedists maybe hadn't looked at that perhaps I would have a different view. So I said to the mom on the phone, so which hip is it? And the mom goes, uh, I don't remember. <laughs> okay. I said, but I can look it up. I can look it up. And I said, you know what? No, let's do this. Don't look it up. Bring her in and see if I can figure it out. So she goes, okay. So the child comes in, I do my usual thing. I do lots of movement checks and all that. And then I had the child, I said, okay, stand on one leg. She stood on her left leg, stand on the other leg, stood on her right leg. So now hop on one leg. She hopped on her left. I said, okay, now hop on the other leg. And she said, I can't. I turned to the mom and I said, I think we just found it. So that is a functional mm. problem. The hip is fixed, but the function through the whole movement system was there was an enormous gap and the function was kind of not there. I mean, she right. could walk, but more complex movements that required more strength in that leg and standing, she could stand, but she could not hop. So I looked up her, her chart. It's been a couple of years in three visits. She comes in and she goes, look, hop, 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 hop on her right leg. So it wasn't, the orthopedists had fixed the hip. The problem with the functionality was an upstream problem with the pelvis itself that had gotten torqued probably in utero along with the hip being injured and just working on the hip, just trying to fix the hip would not have gotten her there and certainly not as quickly and as mm. thoroughly as going to the upstream problem. So when we look at the body from a whole body biomechanical movement perspective, we find all kinds of things that I think really get to the heart of what the problem is because the acute problem is over. They have recovered, but there remains these this whole body movement problem that sometimes is very difficult to see. And I turned to the, her mother and I said, how come we're just noticing this now? Have you know her teachers, her, her pediatrician, like nobody's noticed that she can't hop on one leg. And she goes, no, 
nobody's ever noticed. One wonders about the downstream effect of that. It's like, you know, by the time she's 40, would that hip be wearing out? Would be, in other words, like, right. you know, a loss of function in one of our legs like that. It's a serious business. Body mechanics makes a lot of sense. She's a three-year-old, so she can't speak for herself necessarily. Thank God her mom brought her in. But there are a lot of adults, present company probably included, who uh, are probably walking around with nagging issues and wondering, ah, it's chronic. It'll never go away. What do we say to those people? Chronic issues. You know, I'll often have people come in and they're, you know, 50 or something and they've got old football injuries from college or high school or whatever. And, you know, they've never really recovered. And, you know, the question is, is it, is it, is it ever too late? Yes. The answer to that is yes. Basically, when the injury has moved from a functional problem to an anatomical problem, then it is no longer appropriate in my office. So in other words, if that hip joint has degenerated to the point where you need a hip replacement, then you need a hip replacement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I can't put cartilage back where there isn't any. However, it's always a really great sign when someone comes in and they've got, you know, aches and pains somewhere from some injury at some point. And I say, you know, most people, I mean, we're in the Boston area, we're in the medical mecca of the world. So most people have pretty good medical care and they have had all of this checked out. Many of them have had PT or tried all kinds of things and they show up and they still have this nagging complaint. And, um, you know, it's always really good news for me if in fact they have had x-rays or MRIs or whatever that show that it is not an anatomical problem. It has not degenerated to a point where it is beyond just a functional correction. I have a question about injuries because obviously you're making a lot of sense when you have somebody who knows he or she has fallen down on the field. But for a lot of people, they don't remember ever being, quote unquote, injured. In other words, have we just been walking or sitting the wrong way for 40 years? That's the kind of stuff I'm wondering about. Actually, I want to talk about the uniqueness of human biomechanics for a second, like really simple. There are a couple of things that make us uniquely uh, a dominant species with uniquely vulnerable, uh, kind of like, you know, there's blessings and burdens here. Um, The most remarkable thing is that we walk on two legs. So standing upright on two legs was a a miraculous feat, anti-gravity feat. So walking around on two legs already brings with it enormous peril. It is inherently not a stable way to move around. But what it did was it freed up the hands, freed up the arms and the hands to allow us to do very complex things that other animals on this planet can't do. And we, um, there's one thing in particular that we can do that the other primates can't, and that is something called opposition. So that is the ability to bring the finger and the thumb together in like the sign of okay. So that allows us to have a pincer grip. Mm. It allows us to hold a pencil. And that walking on two legs, the pincer grip, freeing up our upper extremities and our big gigantic brains have really catapulted us into global power, for better and for worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in some cases, I wish uh, certain individuals in the species didn't have that kind of structure (laughs) and body mechanics. But go ahead. I love it. 
when we look at biomechanics at Lydian chiropractic, when we look at the bio, when someone presents, we don't care what they present with, whether it's headaches, shoulder pain, back pain, knee pain, indigestion, whatever it is that they show up with as their primary complaints. We first look at how efficiently is their whole body biomechanical system navigating in a gravitational field because something like 90% of the brain is spent just moving the body from point A to point B. Moving is incredibly complex. We move around all the time and we think nothing of it. Mm. That is actually the genius of the whole system. It is an incredibly complex process that we are entirely, mostly until it starts to complain, mm. unaware of. Sure. So when something bubbles up as huh. a complaint, like my shoulder, ah, it's been nagging since then, but it comes and goes, blah, blah, blah. This walking around on two legs must be addressed. This is the bottom line issue that has to get sorted out, like the child who couldn't hop on her right leg. Mm -hmm. The right leg, the hip itself was restored brilliantly, but the whole mechanism, the whole bipedal mechanism of walking on two legs or hopping on one leg then hopping on the other, there was a huge kind of gap between the anatomy and the function. So the problem in her case was the whole center of gravity, which is our pelvis, was torqued. Now, may I ask if this is related to what we know as muscle memory? In other words, it, can it be that somebody who's moving along just fine and then has an incident of some kind and doesn't move in a certain way gets into a different platitude of movement then forgets? Does the body forget because it's not practicing <laughs> that movement? So, so excellent. What happens is when there is injury, and this is the brilliance of a biological system, is that we go into what we call compensation strategies. So compensation strategies can be things like, uh, like this child, she just doesn't hop on her right leg. That's right. a compensation strategy, right? Right, right? Just don't do it. Or someone who has a problem with their wrist has had carpal tunnel, they stop using their right hand to mouse and they start mousing with the left hand or they get a different device in order to mouse. That's a compensation strategy. My right knee has hurt since an injury 20 years ago. The way I manage it, I don't run up and down stairs mm. or I take the elevator. These are all compensations, right? Mm -hmm. But then we have, then we have more kind of unconscious, interesting strategies that we are unaware of. And so the original biomechanical blueprint for movement has become altered due to injury. And blessedly, we are unaware because the body is an amazing compensator. It will put in these compensation strategies so we don't remember the injury because it didn't really, I mean, it was impactful at the time, but we got better. But as it turns out, we can get all better. But the body just does a workaround. Yeah. So we end up pretty functionally okay unless someone asks you to do something that highlights that compensation and you go like, oh, well, you know, I don't ski anymore. Or I gave up tennis years ago because of the shoulder injury. Those are also, it's an indication that the injury actually never healed but we're working around it. So I, I want to say a little bit more about 
about compensation strategies because we look for these all the time and everyone should be. I mean, everyone should be looking for these because it's an indication of a smoldering problem that it may not be a problem now. It is going to become one. Mm. (laughs) At some point, it's going to bubble up as a problem and it might not be for decades, but places where you can see these uh, compensation strategies is in biomechanical distortion. So if one shoulder is lower than the other, and I'll have so many people come in, you know, their right shoulder will be really low. And I'll say, has anybody ever told you your right shoulder is really low? Oh yeah. When I get my suits uh, tailored, they always have to make the right, you know, like, oh yeah, my tailor has told me He's compensating. The tailor is, yes. Yeah, the tailor is compensating. Exactly. Right. So things like that, but biomechanical distortion. Another place to look for it is on the bottom of your shoes. Does the right heel wear out faster than the left heel? Any kind of asymmetry like that, because we are a bilateral symmetrical uh, creation, is an indication of biomechanical distortion. Scoliosis, that's a huge one. Mm. Scoliosis, idiopathic scoliosis means a scoliosis that we don't know why it's caused. I know why they're caused. If you look at it from a whole body biomechanical perspective, suddenly something as challenging to treat as scoliosis becomes much more manageable and much more possible in terms of treatment. Usually a scoliosis, they're going to have one hip that's higher than the other and usually one leg that's shorter than the other. The question is, is it an anatomical problem or is it a functional problem? Is that leg functionally short? In other words, there's a torquing in the pelvis or there's some other reason why they're hitching up that leg. Or um, maybe that left hip is really high because the QL, which is a muscle in the back, is shortened because of an instability in the pelvis and the platform, the pelvis is a platform for the spine to sit on. And if that platform is tipped, then the tree doesn't go straight, grow straight. And it's a compensation. Those S curves are really compensation which the body does an amazing job at trying to normalize an abnormal situation. Hmm. So we we do lots of work with scoliosis and you know anything below a 20 degree uh, curve, we, we pretty much can fix. Mm-hmm. Um, and every curve starts at five degrees, then 10 degrees, and then it goes up from there. Well, I've got to, I've got to jump in because I've got a personal question. This is, <laughs> my wife is always saying, you're slouching, you're slouching, stand up straight. She's right. I, if I look at myself in the mirror sideways, you know, I'm bent over a little bit. I don't want to be a little old man bent over. So <laughs> I don't mind being a little old man, but I'd rather not be bent over. So I'm conscious, I'm very conscious of trying to straighten myself up. Are there things that can be done for somebody like me and to, to assist beyond just consciously focusing on straightening my yes. physique? So what we call a hyperkyphosis, whether it's anatomical or functional. Oh, it's got a name. I'm so excited. It has a name. It just means you're hunching over. Hunching over Well, unfortunately, you have the modern lifestyle working against you. Mm. Um, Hunching over and what we call an anterior head carriage, which is when people basically have their necks stuck out like this because they have their hands on a keyboard all day long, is really not something that our Paleolithic, our 40,000-year-old DNA (laughs) was set up for. I never saw a caveman with a a laptop uh, that I can remember, yes. 
That's right. You know, that fantastic image of like, you know, the, the evolution of humankind. And then you have someone hunched over like, you know, a primitive ape hunched over a, a, a computer. Mm. Um, so part of it is occupational. Part of it is just a symptom of modern life and that we simply do not have enough opportunities for the kinds of movements that our biomechanical system was built for, mm -hmm. which is getting up, doing extension exercises, you know, having our, our, our shoulders up and back like that, which is what you're having difficulty doing. That is both habit it's long-term kind of functional stress habituated because of your occupation. And part of it can be injury, absolutely. Mm. And what happens is that it's cumulative over time. So the more you do that activity and the more you hunch, the more difficult it is to get out of that activity, especially after many decades. You know, I, 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 I could go on a total rant <laughs> about, about, uh, the educational system and the kinds of stresses yeah. that are under right. both teachers and children and moving away from penmanship and having people actually exercise that God-given gift of the pincer grip mm. to hold a pencil and learn how to write. And now they're skipping that and just going to keyboard. I'm all for the pincer grip. Absolutely. I'm with you 100%. Bring back pencils and erasers for every yes. student in America. Yes. Because they're so important for development and they're so important also for long-term biomechanical health of like getting us up, having us doing things yeah. that are, 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 you know, kind of whole body biomechanics, just type, 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 typing. You just see people scrunching, getting lower and lower and the chin getting more and more protruded. Yeah. So that is a comp hunching over is a complicated problem, but there definitely is as you do it more. Yes. Are you creating injury? Yes. When you talked about, say, the stomach or the head, I can understand headaches and the pain in the cranium and all that. But how does adjusting the biomechanics of someone interact with what we think of as internal systems, the belly, the indigestion, whatever it might be? Fascinated by that. So yeah, if you think about the the the, the system as, a, as an integrated system, there are. Well, let me start with a couple of things. So we have women who come in and they have uh, really uh, you know bad periods mm -hmm. or difficulty with menstruation, difficulty getting pregnant, um, constipation, urinary incontinence, these kinds of things. All of those organs that are involved in those activities are in the pelvis, right? Right. So the pelvis has these amazing muscles called the pelvic floor. Those muscles are very involved in the biomechanics of the pelvis. So if you have a twist or an inefficiency in the biomechanics of the pelvis, it's almost like straight reorganizing that, getting the muscles functioning more efficiently and in a coordinated way, in the whole pelvic structure can open up possibilities. It's almost like you're straightening out the plumbing. I mean, when you think about constipation or, or uh, conception, conception can be also that there are, there are actual structures that facilitate the conception. I mean, of course, there's hormones that play a huge role and, and, and other things. But when you look at it from a nuts and bolts perspective, the, the functioning of the musculoskeletal system can have huge impact 
on the whole abdominal system. When we come to, into um, more uh, kind of a little bit higher up, like heart lung or digestion, things like this, I would say that the, the influence that sorting out biomechanical injury, the influence that we have on that really is via the autonomic nervous system. So that sounds kind of complicated and it really isn't. It's the part of the nervous system that runs the body, the automatic things in the body. So, you know, heart rate and oxygenation and, you know, digestion and, you know, pancreatic enzymes getting released during, you know, all of those things, we don't have voluntary control over. But what runs them is the autonomic nervous system. The autonomic nervous system, the automatic nervous system that we don't have conscious control over intersects with the part of the nervous system that we do have control over. So that's the musculoskeletal system. So it seems that, and I can't tell you exactly why, but it seems that when we take some of the stress off of the biomechanics and the effort of moving from point A to point B, we get rid of pain, we get rid of headaches, we get rid of whatever that is. It frees up energy in the body to run other systems more efficiently. People will often say, it's amazing, but um, since coming here three years ago, I haven't had to take any antibiotics for my sinus infections that I used to get three times a year. So am I saying I can get rid of your sinus infections? No, but something happens when you restore functioning efficiency of this. It's really the 800 pound gorilla in the room. If you don't address the biomechanics, you are siphoning off really there's a limited there's a limit to the amount of energy that anybody has if you're siphoning off a lot of that energy simply to move the legs from point a to point b then you're you're draining vital energy that could be going to something else the way you describe it is so practical and i can understand how young people uh, children might even understand it if you have a toy, you want it to run efficiently, you want it to operate, you know, a mechanical toy, let's say. But in the case of the human body, it's so ornate and so beautifully constructed that there is so much more that we can we can do. Before we wrap up here, there are so many things we could talk about. Axial stability. What are we talking about there? It's something that I noticed on the website. Uh-huh. So the technique that we practice is called axial stability method. And that is the proprietary technique that we te- that we, we uh, uh, practice at Lydian Chiropractic. Um, and our entire orientation is that we are looking for the root causes that are interrupting the that incredibly integrated movement system. We look for if someone comes in with a shoulder complaint. Yes, it might be just their shoulder. It might be, Mm -hmm. but most of the time it's not. So you have to, if you're going to say, let's look at the, the, the biomechanical system from a holistic perspective, you have to have an organizational, you know, perspective. How, okay, how are we going to do this? So what we look at first is how is the axial system? So this means all the stuff in the middle, It means the head, the neck, the spine, and the pelvis. 
And then of course you have the limbs, which are mirror images of each other. But the stuff in the middle is where we absorb all of the forces of gravity. When we take a step, especially you really feel this, when you miss a step oh. or you step off a curb and the curb is, it's farther than you anticipated and you hit really hard and you go, oh, and it's destabilizing. So that is the axial system that would absorb those forces. And if you are not absorbing and distributing forces efficiently, what happens is those forces have to get absorbed somewhere. It's kind of like, if the springs in your car are broken, you know, the big ones there that are underneath the car, that are the shock absorbers, if those are broken in your car and they're not working well, well, then what you do is you go to the springs in the seat, you know, in the front seat, you're sitting there. The springs now are having to absorb all of the shock coming up from the wheels hitting a pothole because you've lost your big shock absorber. So that's what happens if the axial system is not absorbing the potholes. Now, suddenly, the little springs in the seat, which are like the shoulders, the elbows, mm. the wrists, the hips, knees, and ankles, now suddenly all of that shock has to be absorbed somewhere out the kinetic chain. So that shoulder, chronic shoulder problem, may have nothing to do with the shoulder. That you clear up this, the shock, you know, you fix the shock absorbers, and now suddenly, the shoulder problem disappears. Mm. Sounds very, very doable and reasonable. And you're fighting an uphill battle in America, I guess, because so many people want to wait till they get sick or not feel well and take the pill, whatever that pill is. Let's finish on this. Preventive maintenance. You do it with your car when you get an oil change or the wheels aligned. Really makes sense then for, for all of us at any age, preventing things by taking a peek under the hood and seeing where things stand uh, biomechanically. Yeah, and I think that part of the problem is that in our healthcare um, approach, uh, in Western healthcare mm. approach, which is different than, than, say, an acupuncture system or the Ayurvedic system, the more Eastern approaches to health, they're much more holistic. But we have fallen into a tendency to look at problems as localized issues. So when you're looking only at localized issues, then you're going to miss these bigger issues. And I think that we don't have, in our healthcare model, we don't have a recognized place for a professional who thinks biomechanically from a holistic perspective. And, you know, someone who treats this integrated movement system. Um, I mean, there is a profession that thinks this way, and, and we're called chiropractors. But I, I think that our message hasn't gotten out there very well because there is this movement towards more and more localization and trying to treat health conditions from a very localized place. Whereas when you're talking about the biomechanical system, and I'm not gonna, I'm not talking about pancreatic cancer or something like that. I'm talking about function. I'm mm -hmm. talking about the whole biomechanical system that you can't just treat the shoulder if the problem is with the axial system and our, our big shock absorbers, you know, mm. underneath, you know, the tires. So I I feel like what we have working against us is that we haven't claimed a place in the healthcare system as the biomechanic. 
And if more people understood, I mean, that's my public service announcement and my kind of wishing that people could understand this more holistic issue, that if you fix the whole biomechanical system, it lasts a lot longer. Mm. Um, and I, I feel like I feel like it's a missed opportunity to not address these little injuries earlier on. Like you think about this child with the, you know, the restored hip, when in fact the function was in the toilet, that what would have happened to her? She would never have used that leg. What, you know, by the time she's 40, is she having a hip replacement because, you know, uneven wear and tear on her hips? All of these hip mm. replacements, knee replacements that are happening now really are the downstream effect of decades of inefficient biomechanics. Well, you make an excellent case for the work you do. And we should remind people that uh, this is a field that has garnered more respect, thankfully, over the years, because we're hearing from people like you who have such a practical case to make. And uh, there's a lot more that people will find out when they visit your website or visit your practice. But you've got a lot going on. And one more thing. I understand you're a musician. Is that right? Yes. For 20 years, I was a professional classical singer and um, even nominated for a Grammy. Oh. And um, so I um, I taught voice for many years in, at Harvard and at Brown and in my private studio. And it's very interesting. You think, how did you go from that to being a chiropractor? But actually, the things that I was most interested in and the things that I was most helpful with is that I would rehab uh, destroyed voices. That's something that I read about, and I was fascinated by that because I'm in the business of voice, and it's very important that I take care of my voice. And I didn't realize there was somebody of your ilk doing that. Besides the doctor who corrects Steven Tyler's vocal cords, that's a different story. But yeah. good for you. So helping performers, actors, singers, orators, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I love working with dancers and musicians because. Um, when you talk about whole you know, whole body biomechanic, you know, a, a, a violinist who's struggling with fourth finger weakness or, you know, in the left hand or is struggling with a carpal tunnel or a shoulder problem with the bowing, you know, I the work that we can do to help these people is usually very, very, it's low hanging fruit. It's mm. such low hanging fruit. And it's, you know, on the scheme of things, it's cheap. I mean, that little girl, she started hopping after three 15-minute visits. Yeah, that's that's a, a very impressive story, and there are many more to follow. Thank you so much, Lydia. You are just a bundle of energy, and I love that. And I love talking about radiant health, not just people who are sick, but people who can feel good all the time. So, Thank uh, you so much. Thanks for making us feel good today. Okay, thank you. I know I've succeeded with my guest today because I feel great. She's Dr. Lydia Knudsen. And if you'd like to know more, visit LydianChiropractic.com. That's L-Y-D-I-A-N Chiropractic.com. On Mike with Jordan Rich is a podcast produced at Chart Productions with technical help and assistance from Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media. As always, we thank you for telling your friends about this podcast, subscribing, rating, and reviewing it when you get the chance. Really appreciate that. Until next time, Jordan saying, as always, be well so you can do good. Take care.